Weencast, a ween podcast with Shane and Rory. Hey, this is Shane. And this is Rory. And this is Weencast. And we welcome you to a new episode. Welcome back, listeners. Um, we've had a couple of months off. And we've had a couple of new developments for the show. First of all, we want to say thank you um, to our friend Brian for hooking us up with a new thumbnail and some new artwork. And it's totally awesome because it looks professional. It looks real. He's a great digital artist. And if you're interested in some digital artwork, let me know and I can hook you up with him. So thank you so much to Brian for hooking us up with some real looking artwork finally. Yeah, man. Thanks, Brian. It looks great. It's awesome. And we're using the new thumbnails for our new YouTube channel. We finally have an actual dedicated YouTube channel for the show. It's something that I've been meaning to do for a long time um, and finally got off my ass and, and got it done. Another one of those projects that it, it really is no big deal once you start actually doing it and figuring it out. It's one of those things that I just kind of was building up in my mind of, oh, man, that's going to be way too hard to do. And, you know, uh, I, I'm not looking forward to that and blah, blah, blah. And once I actually started doing it, it was like, oh, this isn't so bad. So <laughs> a lot of unnecessary anxiety. Yeah. You know, it's it was one of those kind of things. So we're so we're we're. So glad that everything is in one place and it's just all of the the podcast episodes are together on that channel. So it's great and we look forward to doing a lot more with that. Yeah, it look, looks good, man. Shout out to yourself. Oh, thanks. Nice work. For this episode, we really wanted to do something different and we were kicking around this idea for a long time. We talked about having guests on the show on and off for a while and I think... Uh, Rory, you can agree with me when I say the first guest we knew would be our friend Mike. Yeah, you know, I he um, he's an old friend of ours. We go back a long ways, and and I knew that he would have some uh, some great Ween stories to tell. Uh, there were a few podcasts where he was at the same show, so so you know, it was like you know wanting to to give him a chance to. To tell his story and yeah, knowing that he had something good to say. It, it seemed like there were so many episodes where we were we were talking about the shows that we had been to and, and who came along with us. And it was just like our friend Mike, our friend Mike. You know, it just kept coming up and coming up. But he was lucky enough to attend one of the shows for the Live in Chicago uh, DVD and CD, which I was always really jealous about. But I, I do have to say... I never really put in the time to research those shows and sort of figure out like where they were, what they played on which nights and like how the whole thing was constructed. So it was really fun to sort of go back and have some nostalgia for that time period and get Mike's take on the live in Chicago shows, you know, from someone who was actually there. Yeah, it's a it's a time period that kind of represents a um, sort of the tail end of a high point in Ween Weendom and like live Ween and like you know their performance and their music. 
in my opinion. Yeah. And um, and so it's great to you know I never really gave this live album too much play. I guess I've always sort of pretentiously like I only want to listen to a live show if I was there. You know, and like, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, like discount some of these ones that are, you know, prepackaged as it were. Yeah. So it was great for me to come in and li- listen to it and, um, you know, in preparation for the podcast and and sort of re- get to reevaluate how I think about it and, and what its place is in uh, in the annals of Ween. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of that that early Quebec era, you know, Quebec was new and. The Quebec stuff was fresh at the time and to kind of like go back and, and, you know, even though uh, neither one of us was at, you know, the live at Chicago shows, it was like, I remember that time period and I remember being like excited for, you know, like those Quebec shows and that's kind of that, you know, that's kind of that era. So we had a uh, very interesting um, and really fun conversation with Mike which we are going to play the whole thing. The majority of our conversation revolves around him as a fan and his experiences, but especially his experience going to the Saturday night show of Live in Chicago. So should we go to the call now? Sure. Rory and I would like to welcome our first guest, our friend Mike, to the podcast. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It is really an honor and a privilege to be here. Um, <laughs> I am humbled. I am truly humbled. I I want to say... We appreciate uh, it, that's for sure. Yeah, we appreciate you being with us. I want to say to Mike that you've always been, like, my number two go-to um, when it comes to Ween. Like, any kind of Ween news that, like, I might find out, I'm either going to call or text Rory. And then I'm going to call or text Mike. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. And I appreciate the news. Um, because unfortunately, I'm not as connected with Wien as I once was. I think so, we could all say that. Yeah. Mike, we've, we've brought your name up in a lot of our previous episodes as just our friend Mike, because you've been to a lot of shows with us. And you're really the only other one that I can think of who is like a friend from high school, who is still like a, a pretty solid Ween fan. Um, yeah, I think you're right, because I think it's mainly just us three at this point that are still <laughs> like, you know, show comes up, oh, I don't have work, yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. at this point, you know, all the reunion shows, I think, like you're the only person that's been to them from our uh, original friend group in high school, the Ween heads anyway. You know, I'm excited to um, to mine your memories about all the, you know, some of the shows that we've been to together and then also some of the other shows you've been to, in particular the uh, Live in Chicago show, which we'll be getting to in a bit. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to it because I think as we get through this, we're going to trigger each other's memories to places we never thought we'd go back to. So well, I'm that's definitely that's looking forward the, to this. Yeah, that's been one of the, the, uh, the cathartic things about these podcast actually is just the process of looking back and thinking through sort of triggers memories and and you sort of uh, think of things that you hadn't thought of in like 20 years oh yeah absolutely well let's go all the way back to the beginning if uh, if we may on our very first episode with just rory and i we had talked about the first times that we can remember ever hearing ween at all and 
Do you have a, a memory of the first time you've actually heard them? Uh, yeah, I actually have two memories. I have the memory of the first time I heard them and the first time it really, like, resonated with me, like, what this was. Okay, so the first time I ever heard them was in our friend Corey's Ford Campo. He had a kicking system. Oh, yeah, he was in high school. Oh, yeah, 210s in the trunk, um, and he played Voodoo Lady for me. And that was the first time I ever heard Wee. Now, Do you remember about well, when that was? Because the the hilarious thing to me about that is it's pretty much the exact same like origin story I have. <laughs> is that I heard Who Do You Mean Corey Gunter's Sport Tempo? And, um, well, okay, I think it was circa ninety seven, ninety six ish. Well, Shane, because it was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it would have been around the time I was working at Weiss with him, and I'm not sure if you were there yet. Hmm. I, For me, it was going home after volleyball practice. It would have been around the same time. But I do not year, think... It would have been 96. For me, I believe it was the winter of 96. It would have been around the same time for me then, too. But yeah. I do know we were not in the same car that day. Well, you weren't. I don't believe you played volleyball, so <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think you, you wouldn't have gotten the ride home from. <laughs> so, so, so then, <laughs> so then, what's your, what's your other what's your other memory that you had had mentioned? Oh yeah, um, the one where it where it hit you. Yeah, we were all hanging out at our friend Tim's house, and it was the first time I heard Freedom of '76. I was just like, oh shit, I'm in on this. That's awesome. Yeah, those no, are good songs to entrance you. Well, you know, you bring up uh, the chocolate and cheese era there, but um, do you have a favorite studio album? Or okay, a favorite yeah. studio album? Well, no, is that, I mean, those are two different answers. Favorite studio album is Godwin Satan, and it has nothing to do with the quality or the, the music. It's just, I think it's the most relatable album to where we were at that point in our lives. Just how, like, if you listen to the songs, how, like, all over the place they are. And that's just always been my favorite. You know, that's an interesting point. I think you have a good point there in defense of God and Satan. That's nice. Yeah, because, you know, that, that that's a that's a, a very, like, teenage-like album. You know, that's that album is very full of, like, the angst. I think I had yeah. said that in our, our album review uh, episode. It's very... Um, it, it has a lot of youth in it. It has you can just hear like the the crazy teenager in that album a lot. So much, yeah, what are the high point? What are the high points of that album for you? Well, I mean, I just love how it's all over the place. Like you asked up man, who who hasn't felt that way as a teenage boy? And then you go to Bumblebee, which um, I think perfectly sums up what it's like to be stung by a bee. And then <laughs> you get juicy trees. Yeah, you get to um, El Camino. Who didn't want an El Camino at that point in their life? Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's just, it's just great. And if you didn't, you did after hearing that song. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes it relatable. That's a good. Do, do, do you have a do you have a favorite live album then? Uh, live at Stubbs. Okay. Okay. That's okay. My favorite, and I can't say Pain the Town Brown just because it wasn't one show. It was pieces of different shows. Right. But right. Live yeah, at Stubbs is my, 
Well, Live at Subs is my favorite um, album that was available widespread. My right. favorite bootleg album, Live, am I allowed to talk about this? Yes, of course. Okay. Uh, Dear Miss Storm, loved it. Oh, okay. I kind of—I don't know if I ever really had that one, but I remember. It was being passed around back then. And yeah. You I had to have had I think I got it from you. I don't know about that. I don't know about that because I, I was very big on the shows that I went to and mm-hmm. any, everything else never really like latched on with me. Like I may have had like a, like a disc of it, but never really yeah. like played it a lot. You know, I was always into like the, the shows that I saw and, you know, re-listening to them a lot. Okay. But I do, you, I do remember the bootleg that you're talking about. Yeah. And you were always good about sending me a copy of those shows. So I thank you for that. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> we have already talked about the first show that you were along with us, which was January 98 at the Trocadero yeah. in Philly, which is our podcast episode number four. But I think you might have a story that I forgot about. Well, yes, you did. <laughs> so something something else happened. Don't tell what was the omission. <laughs> so something else happened on the way to the show. Okay. Um, and it was on 422. It was bumper to bumper because at that time we were all kids and afraid of the turnpike. So we went the wrong way to Philly. Now, our friend Corey, who was driving at that right. time, used to like to keep cubes of soda in the back of his car. <laughs> um, so his girlfriend at the time, was pounding Mountain Dews. And while we got stuck in traffic, she had to pee. So we had to let her out of the car on the side of the road so she could pee while all the people around us were yelling and honking at us. And I, like, it drove me nuts listening to that episode and not hear that story. I just want to say that. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. I think uh, I think it was right after we we posted that episode and you you listened to it that you you know you were texting. Oh, I texted me. I texted you right away. Yeah, <laughs> and I do I do remember that after you know after you had reminded me of it I did remember it and I mean what Mike is talking about like you're talking about right outside of the city of Philadelphia just tons of cars like you know. Bumper to bumper traffic. There is no way that anyone, you know, male or female, is going to get out of the car to take a pee and not be seen by like a hundred people. <laughs> it was because just you have, you have to do what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I respect her decision. Yeah. Well, but at the same time, I would have made the same. Well, I also <laughs> wouldn't have drank Mountain Dews all the way down. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of surprising that you hear that story from a female perspective, but it happened. It happened that. Yeah. <laughs> but you can they have uh, a harder time peeing into a bottle. Right, right. But anyone who wants to to listen to our conversation about that show is uh, it's episode four of our podcast. But is there anything else that you can remember since that was the first show that you went to? It was the the Mollusk Tour, uh, the Trocadero in Philadelphia. Was that the Becky Wagner night? Oh, boy. I, I think that was probably the following I think, that, I think it was the second show. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
that would be the that would be the only thing. But um, yeah, I think you're right. It was the second show because I don't think they played anything from like what would become White Pepper at the '98 show. I think it was either all like Mollusk and stuff before. And then the next one that we had seen was was New Year's Day, uh, 99 at the Troc. And then they played a few of those, like, new White Pepper songs. Yeah, yeah, they played, um, well, they played Becky Wagner, a.k.a. Pandy Fackler. They definitely played Back to Base on that night. And they might have played exactly where I'm at, but I don't know. They, those two shows run together. For me. Right, right. About how many shows have you seen? Of, of Ween altogether. Uh, I think I'm at ten, and I think I was I was at nine out of ten of those with you. Sadly, <laughs> <laughs> I go a few more without me. I think Rory, I have I was four out of ten with you. That sounds about right. I would say it's probably more than that, but but yeah, something like that. You no, know, so you guys went to see several shows when I was either at Penn State and just wasn't able to get out to see shows or when I was in Oregon. So there's definitely there's definitely uh, several years where there were shows that people were going to that I wasn't able to get to. And then there were several years where there weren't shows. Yes. Right. So. Well, there's one show that Mike was at that neither Rory or I were able to attend that I, 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 I hope I can speak for Rory and say that I'm really fucking jealous that you got to see this show and I I didn't. I've always been yeah, be, being a part of this this weekend and this show uh, is just awesome. Yeah, yeah. Know, know someone that was that was in on that. So you saw the Saturday night show that would have been filmed for Live in Chicago. Yes, at I the, did. At the Vic Theater, uh, November eighth, two thousand three, in Chicago. Yes. That was quite some time ago. Why don't you sort of set us up a little bit and talk about how how did you get to go to this show? So you were you were living outside of Chicago at the time, correct? Yes, I I had just moved to St. Louis. I was starting grad school, and um, my homepage on the internet at the time you may or not may or may not remember this website. It was chacodog.com or I believe .net backslash ween. Uh, that was my homepage. Yep. <laughs> so not it wasn't updated much. But what it was, it mattered. And I happened to see that they were filming this live CD-DVD combo in Chicago. And my girlfriend at the time actually bought us tickets for the show, for the Saturday night show. Totally awesome. Um, yeah. So, awesome. and you you um, you already mentioned you were living in St. Louis at the time, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So how so, how far of a trip was it? How long how long of a distance is that then? It's about a five hour drive. Okay. Just long enough so, to start to be a pain in the butt, but not too long. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too far, but I mean, you're going to college, so you're not flying up there. Like, and <laughs> forgive me if I'm wrong here, but. You had access to hotels at the time? Yes. She was working for, I believe it was Sheridan at the time. So she got discount rooms for us. We could go pretty much anywhere we wanted and just 
pay the tax. Wow. That's so you were, you were, were you living the baller lifestyle on that trip? As ballers can be, you know, deep fish pizza. I'm doing all the touristy shit. I it had to be my first trip to Chicago. I have yet to be to visit the Windy City. How how is Chicago? Oh, Chicago's great. Um, you got to put that on your list. My second favorite city in this country. Love it. What's number one? Shit. What's number one? It's gonna be unpopular. Um, well, this this interview we're digging deep here, so. <laughs> At this point, it's New York because of how easy it is to get to where I'm living. Okay. Okay. See, I was hoping you were going to say, since you lived in St. Louis, that your favorite city was East St. Louis. Well, that's... (laughs) I mean, there's a different set of criteria. (laughs) Or maybe maybe Kansas City. Uh, No, I I don't ride with Kansas City. That's for sure. You were a cheap no, no, it wasn't for me. I went to Kansas City once. I was good. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been. Yeah, and I've I've never been to Chicago either. So that that's the shit, man. Um, yeah, yeah do you know that's fortuitous? That it, it's fortuitous that you were close enough that you know five hours is is close enough that you can like make that shot, you know. And so that's yeah. awesome that that it was within that radius that you could go for it. Because um, yeah, I mean we'll talk about it. All, we have the DVD. The only like evidence of this is the Live in Chicago DVD. So we only have some of the songs from the night that you were at, but we have the set list. And man, there's it's, there's definitely one awesome song after another. So this will be. So I'm excited to to get your input on on how that show went. Yeah. Well, should we oh, yeah, should for... we do uh, should we do the set list for for the Saturday show that that Mike was at? Sure. Do you want me to? Yeah. I'll go ahead and. Do... Yeah, we could start there. I have list for the uh, Saturday show uh, mm-hmm. opens with Birthday Boy. Opens with an acoustic uh, mini set of Birthday Boy, Chocolate Town, Tried and True, The Mollusk, Mutilated Lips, and then it goes back to normal uh, for Buckingham Green, The Stallion Part Three, Happy Colored Marbles, The Grobe, Take Me Away, Transdermal Celebration. Voodoo Lady, Exactly Where I'm At, Bananas and Blow, Pork Roll, Egg and Cheese, Roses Are Free, The Argus, Motherfucking Big Jill, I'll Be Your Johnny on the Spot, Zoloft, Ocean Man, Waving My Dick in the Wind, You Fucked Up, Stroker Ace, and All of My Love, uh, Led Zeppelin cover, Fat Lenny, Booze Me Up and Get Me High, Spinal Meningitis, Piss Up a Rope, the Blarney Stone. Sometimes Ween Settlers seem like they go on and on forever. The Blarney Stone. And then the Encore, uh, Dr. Rock, Touch My Tutor, and Buenos Tars Amigo. So, dude, that's an awesome set, first off. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. giving this to me. The, just seeing it on paper, like, brings a lot of it back. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's a, that's a badass set list. Well, let's let's talk about you know your experience a little bit first before we get into the overall um, thoughts and, and whatnot. So, wh- where where were you for the show? Were you down on the floor? And okay, just, no. What's the theater like? Can you describe the theater and like? I, yeah, you, you, I you know what the theater was like? It was a lot like the Met, where we just were. Okay, it was set up, okay. yeah, it was about the same size, set up about set up the same way. Um, it had that same kind of feel about it. I was 
just off camera, unfortunately. Um, I was second. <laughs> yeah, second row. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I thought it was going to happen, but it didn't. I was second row in the balcony. I would have been to the right when they panned up to the balcony. Uh, to the left when they panned up to the balcony, stage right. I was on Diener's side. And it was um, it was assigned seating? <clears throat> yeah. Like you had seats and you, that's where you went? Okay. Yeah. So were there seats on the floor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically, yeah, no. like, all of those people in the, that you see in the DVD, they're just standing up. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was all seats. It, it was, I mean, it was an old school theater. Okay. That's cool. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, because you can't really tell. Google, man, that was a great place, so if it was similar to that. Yeah, yeah, you can't really tell from the from the DVD that there's seats on the floor, because I, I kind of would have thought it would have just been, like, open floor and then, like, the two balconies. But, you know, it makes sense that if it was a theater, it's got seats through the whole uh, thing, you know. Before I went to that show, Sound of Urchin was playing some bar in St. Louis. Oh, wow. And, and this is no fucking lie, there were 12 people at this show. Oh yeah, one of which oh yeah was a guy wearing that teal ween shirt that you guys all had. The green no, one with the, the orange. Green one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, this is Thursday night. So Saturday night, I walk up the steps because we were seated in the balcony, and who do I see standing at the the bar wearing the same damn shirt? The guy from the Sound of Urchin concert. Nice. Two nights prior. That's awesome. <laughs> So was it really, like, visible that there's cameras, like, recording them and stuff? You couldn't see the cameras. The only time that, like, like they mentioned it here and there, um, there was one time they stopped to reposition, like, halfway through the show, and Diener was all kinds of fucked up. So at that <laughs> point... Diener or Giener? Diener. Well, they both were, but Giener went backstage. And Diener um, decides he's going to pull out his ball sack for everyone to see. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't make the and, TV. Uh, no, that, that got cut. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. You can hear, I forget if it was Glenn or Dave. It was either Glenn or Dave yelled at him. And he's like, what? I'm working the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't really, you couldn't see the cameras from where you were? No, I never saw them. I never noticed them all night. So I I imagine they were behind me, next to me, based on the views, because I rewatched the DVD this week. Um, but no, you really never noticed. Wow. So, I mean, even, yeah, like, even though it seems like the cameras would have been, like, right up, like, right in front of the stage, they're probably back, like, under the balcony towards, like, the... Uh, the back and they're just you know awesome cameras that can just zoom in on the band yeah and i think they were <laughs> off to the side to... yeah on either side of that right and but you, you have to remember like like yeah i'm there for a dvd taping but like i'm focused on the show sure so like i'm not really paying attention to where they're at yeah so. you're not you're not worrying about being sherlock holmes and like you know yeah. investigating where the where the cameras are yeah, like where they're getting the shot from, so I can break down the DVD later and complain yeah. about it on some <laughs> blog. Like, they should have been, they should have been here, <laughs> or some, 
yeah, or some podcast, you know, 20 years later, you know. <laughs> well, I might go there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. The, the one thing that I'll say about sort of like the whole thing is for the longest time, and this was rooted in a lot of jealousy, again, being the fact mm-hmm. that you saw, the, you know, one of these shows and I didn't. I was always under the impression that they played two nights with the exact same set list and then just pick the songs, like they pick the better version of each one of the songs that they wanted for the DVD and CD. But that is not the case. It's no, yeah, it's far from the case. Yeah, I, I was always under that impression too until you brought that to my attention <laughs> right now. Um, so I'm guessing they just wore the same outfits two nights in a row. That would make sense. When you're when you're rock and rollers, that's not hard to do. But Diener played a different guitar on the two nights. Did you guys catch that? Oh, that's a great to know, dude. Oh man, um, because half the song, half the songs he has stickers on his guitar. Half the songs he doesn't. Yeah, so for some of them, he has like that fruit guitar. Uh huh. Um, that's very yeah, interesting. I, didn't, I I didn't really. I wouldn't necessarily say that that is. But that means that he was playing one guitar one night and one guitar the other night. Because I think for some songs, I think for some songs he'll switch guitars. But maybe that's, that's true too. I mean, that's possible. I don't remember like him switching guitars. But that doesn't mean he didn't. Right. Like, right. I could have been. It could have been in between songs. Like, oh, I got to tie my shoe. Well, one of the interesting I things in, in in preparing for this podcast was going through the live in Chicago set list and then comparing it with the data on Brown Bass, trying to figure out which night the various songs came from, because we can see that, you know, a whole bunch of the different ones came from the night that you were at. And so that's what I was really interested to see. Is right. your input, if you, if you still had some from so long ago, because it's like, and I was wondering also, do you have memories beyond <clears throat> the songs that are from the DVD? Because it's kind of like, it's interesting, like this, this the DVD is, I kept having to remind myself it wasn't, it's not a live show. It's a live DVD. Yeah. Cobbled together. And so I'm wondering if by hearing pieces of it that came from the night you were at, if that helped illuminate the other pieces for you that unfortunately are lost to the stands of time at this point. I don't think there's any record of them. Yeah, I mean, that's available to the public anyway. Yeah, no. I was looking the other night. I couldn't find anything. Um, So... I took a look at the set list, and here are the songs I start that I can remember, like close my eyes and picture them happening. All right, so I had Birthday Boy, Chocolate Town, Tried and True, Transdermal Celebration, Exactly Where I'm At, Roses Are Free, You Fucked Up, All of My Love, Booze Me Up and Get Me High, and Buenas Tardes Amigo. Ending, opening with Birthday Boy and ending with Buenas Tardes Amigo, is pretty awesome. Yeah, and Chocolate Town and Tried and True were new to uh, new to me at the time, and those are two songs that I just really yeah. love. It was just like oh, a yeah, great three song opener. Um, yeah, that was only the beginnings of those being played, right? Because that was Quebec, and so that was yeah. I believe the eleventh time that Chocolate Town was played, the twenty first time that Tried and True was played. How was that for you, having it be like a the um, like acoustic? little mini set to start off the show it was great like it was completely unexpected because it, i had never seen anything like that 
to open a show with them before. Because up to that point, they usually opened up with like kind of like a a ween banger song, like <laughs> You Fucked Up, or like 1999 that one night. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> take Take Me Away was common at that point. And right. Not open shows. So it was different. It was new. Yeah, and I want to say that um, I think the following year, I saw a show that had that mini acoustic set going on. And I don't know if this weekend was the first time that they sort of played around with that. Shane, I don't know if you have any info on that. Because I was just wondering, like, I wonder if for the Chicago, I wonder if there was some thought to saying, oh, it's going to be for a DVD. Let's kind of pull out all the stops and, like, do an acoustic thing. And so couple they like sort of started to do more and more. I, I would I would have to go back and look at the dates, but I kind of remember I was lucky enough to be at a couple of the shows where they played some of the Quebec stuff for the first time, and I think that that was sort of a thing that came along with like the premiere of like the Quebec stuff, if if you will. So I can't remember if it was that same year or if it was from like 2002. You know, Quebec comes out in 2003, summer of, of 2003. And then the show that we're talking about for Live in Chicago was, was that uh, November. Mm-hmm. So it was either like the fall of 2002 or like early in the year of 2003. I'd have to go back and look at the dates. But it was sort of a thing that was started like around the beginning of the Quebec songs. Yeah. So they had by the by the time this show rolls around, you know, it's been done uh, enough times that like they, you know, have their shit together. Um, but you know, it's pretty true that like if you hadn't seen any of like the Quebec shows until now, you know, like it would have been new at you know at that time. Yeah, well, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely and, uh, awesome. You know, it's really cool to see them, like, tone it down. And I, and I just think it's interesting the kind of effect that can have to open a show like that. You know, like, pretty introspective to say, you yeah, know, we're going to sit down with these acoustic guitars and open the show with Birthday Boy. Yeah, because, um, Shane, um, didn't we see them do this a couple of times, but, like, more towards the middle of the show? Yeah, I mean, I don't... Like, I don't think you... Sterling was... or something? Maybe, yeah, like, one yeah, or two yeah. songs? Yeah, and I think that uh, that you and I saw um, the show at the Tower Theater, which was didn't come until a couple of years later, but I remember they had some acoustic songs during that show. So it's sort of like one of those things that, you know, like started in this era and would continue on until like now, really today, really. I mean, they don't do it on every show, but, you know, to get like a, a little like acoustic set or, or, you know, a few songs in a row, if you will, now is not too uncommon. So this yeah. is really like the beginning of that. Um, I don't yeah. think it's something that is commonly opened with, you know, so that's definitely like a standout. The fact that they started this show with the acoustic set, um, yeah. that is not, I don't think that that is very common at all. No, because I, I agree with you because every show I've been to, they either came, came out rocking hard or played something really fun. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm looking at the set list, and the first song that played after the acoustic mini set is Buckingham Green, which is totally like a standard opener kind of song, right? Yeah. You know, it might it might have been something to do with, like, the levels or something. Like, okay, do the acoustic songs first, because that's at a different, like, volume, or, I, you know, I don't know. I have no yeah, idea well, about any of, like, the yeah, kind of stuff. But you can and talk then, like you did. Yeah, right. 
So, so yeah, like, you could probably be right. That, uh, you're opening the can of worms here, Bob. Like, right no, if anyone knows, I mean, if anyone has any input, I mean, by all means, let us know. Um, I would just sort of assume uh, mini set acoustic done first for a uh, production uh, logistic uh, for the DVD. Yeah, I mean, I would I would have to assume that because then after that it's just all the straight up, you know, regular ween rocking tunes. So you kind of assume that they would be like, okay, we'll do those first, and then we'll get the fucking shit out, and then we'll just, you know, keep, do that for the rest of the evening. But it, but yeah, that is, that is, I, I don't think that they normally did that at all. Let's do the acoustic stuff first. It was always like through out the night somewhere, you know, like halfway yeah. through or towards the end. I got you. So some other things I I was wondering. So Blended Stars Amigo. Okay. I was wondering if you remember. Uh, much about that. So I remember some shows around that same general time period. I'm having a hard time remembering exactly which shows or what, if it was 03 or 04, where Gener actually has a solo on the guitar as well in the middle of the song. And I was wondering if you remember if that happened at this show. I got to think here. Because um, <laughs> what a shame, what a shame that that didn't make the, uh, the DVD. I don't, I don't recollect that. I think it was all Diener. Yeah. It's just like the like power solo at the end. Gotcha. See, I'm just, just trying to pursue the memory. Yeah. No, we'll figure it out eventually when we get to the show. Yeah. Stuff in whatever show it's in. Yeah, but from what I remember, the show has been going on so long. They didn't do like a 30-minute Buenos Aires. It was like standard issue, like 10, 12 minutes. Yeah. Well, you know, 33 songs and Touch My Tutors in the encore too, man. Yeah. So that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of great stuff that's played at that Saturday show that you were at, Mike, that, you know, we know now, comparing with the Sunday night set list, was specifically played on Saturday and made it onto the DVD. So would you mind if I listed those songs? Yeah, no, go for it. Go for it. Okay. So uh, Pork Roll, Egg, and Cheese is specifically from Saturday. The Grove, Transdermal Celebration, Mutilated Lips. Chocolate Town, Johnny on the Spot, Touch My Tutor, Ocean Man, All of My Love, Big Jim, Booze Me Up and Get Me High, and Blarney Stone. There are so, a couple that I got audio and video evidence that suggests that they're also on Saturday, but I'm not 100% certain, and that's Take Me Away, and then also Zo Lost. So we'll get to I mean, that later. I mean, like, that is, that is so cool. We'll get to that later. So, like, that is so cool that... You know, when you're when you're watching the DVD, mm-hmm. you know that some of those songs are specifically from that night that you saw. Yeah, like I just think that's awesome. And you know, not, not to cut towards the uh, towards the end of the night or end of the of the DVD, but you know that they played "All My Love" from Led Zeppelin on Saturday night to show that you were at, and that fucker is on the DVD. Yes, I do. Uh, um, that's just so cool. Yeah. So. That's one thing that stands out from that show. Walking into the venue, you know, people are talking like, yo, I heard I heard they're doing All My Love by Led Zeppelin. So there's like a buzz of like this song is coming. <laughs> and awesome. then Dave goes into that keyboard solo, fucking around, and then out of nowhere they just break into it and the crowd goes nuts. It was like that, that song, and for some reason, Transdermal Celebration with me from that yeah. set. Those are the main two. Yeah, that's awesome. And all my love is awesome. 
that's an awesome song, um, and uh, and you're totally right. Uh, Glenn on the keys, opening that up is just like awesome. And then it just, and you don't quite know what he's gonna do, but then it's like it's almost like he's in like a like a church, you know, playing the old big like pipes, and it's like Quasimodo coming down from the. the oh yeah, and it goes on for a couple of minutes. And then it goes, and then, then it's like all of my love, and it's that's definitely um, seeing it on on your set list, but then also on the DVD. That's a high point for sure. Yeah. It's awesome. And just one thing I would like to say, one critique of the whole project: I needed that on the CD too. It sucked putting the DVD, and every time I wanted to hear that song for years. Right, right. Well, let's let's get to that in a in a second. Um, but okay. just just <laughs> just sticking <laughs> with with all of my love for a second. The fact that it makes it onto the DVD is it's it's cool as hell. Don't get me wrong, and I'm glad it's on there. But it kind of makes you wonder, like, what's going on behind the scenes on that one? Because, like we said, there's plenty of Wii material from both of those nights to pick from, and yet they included that on the DVD. And we would have to assume that that wasn't cheap, you know. Yeah. Someone's got to take a, a percentage of something, I'm sure, to be able to use a Led Zeppelin song on that DVD. You know, we, I, I, you think that some of it's them, you know, saying, "Hey, let's 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 put in like like a little bit of a pop song to get to get the audience uh, interested in this." You know, like, "Oh, there's going to be uh, all my love on this." You know, "Oh, they play Led Zeppelin," or or maybe just maybe the average person who doesn't really know too much about Ween might get a little bit more interested if they know that they could pull off the Led Zeppelin tune and it's like flawless. I don't know, you know? Um, it, I mean, it could be that. They could have just like playing it. What label were they with at this point? This is like a Sanctuary Records project. Okay. Because Quebec is on Sanctuary and this is sort of like the thing that they did to promote Quebec, you know what I mean? Okay, so the label didn't pick this up. I think the, that. I, 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 well, I would assume that they did because you know it's. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the DVD is is made by Sanctuary Records. Okay. So I mean, I don't think it's actually coming out of Junior and Junior's pocket. <laughs> oh, I, I doubt it. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at a brown. Why would here. you do that? <laughs> right, and I can tell you that. Um, that the song All My Love was in heavy circulation that, that fall. Yes. They were playing the crap out of that, to the extent that they played it ever in their history. It's only been played 15 total times. Well, that was that sort was of like... the time. Like, they'd been playing it, like, throughout the, the fall. Right, right. Well, that was sort of like the token cover for, like, that, like, time period. Yeah. You know? Like, you know, Hot for Teacher, they played for a while... Yeah, um, yeah, and then like right. later on, a few years after uh, after this, it would be like uh, David Bowie, you know. So there's sort of like always, the, or uh, Enter Sandman came in there uh, 
I think that was before this. We'll 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 get to that in another episode. But but yeah, I think that that all of my love was sort of like the token cover that they were playing like at the time. Yeah. But the fact that it winds up on the DVD is just really fucking cool. Yeah, dude, yeah. it's on the DVD. Um, Big Jim is on the DVD, and it was the night you were there. That was really one of the cool. rarest. That was one of the big rarities, really, from that night. night. My one critique uh, of the the weekend and of the DVD is there's not a lot of like really rare stuff on it, but Big Jim is definitely one of those cases. That it's definitely a pretty pretty rare song to hear live. So that's always yeah. awesome. And yeah. to have that be, you know, the, the DVD is great, but it's not always very brown. But like you, when you put this song on on there, then it browns up the album. You know, it like it browns up the the DVD. So. It's pretty awesome that it's on here. Well, there's one song that, looking at the Sunday playlist, I am disappointed that I did not get to see and was not on the DVD, and that would be Puerto Rican Power. Yeah, so, <laughs> well, absolutely. You know, that brings up a, a general point, which which was good for discussion, is is this, you know, they, there's plenty of great songs from both nights that they did not put on the DVD. And, like, why not? Like, why not Puerto Rican Power? Right. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. No, I'm here for Eddie I'm, from Sunday. Is all yeah. Happy yeah. Fantasy. Yes, that one chapter. Okay, this one my fantasy. Yes. Uh, um, song thirty-one. If you could save yourself, you'd save us all. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot yeah. of great songs that were played that weekend that weren't on the the DVD. Not to say that I have any particular problem with any of the songs on the DVD. You know, I do have to say. Uh, Don't laugh is also a really rare take on this uh, on the night that you were at. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. No, don't laugh is from Sunday. Um, Okay. But that's a really rare one too. Except in that one, Gina uh, forgets the words in the second verse. And uh, (laughs) yeah, it's it's cool that that makes it on there, even though he has that line about you know I forgot the lyrics. I forgot the lyrics. And if you laughed to me in the sun. Since we're talking about the subject of like how they formatted everything, how they released it, what would you guys pay for a three DVD 
all three shows. At the time? The whole, they get the whole weekend on DVD? Yeah, right now. Okay, I was going to say at the, at the, at the no, time? No, right now. Right okay. now. Okay, right now? <laughs> okay, right now. Yeah, right right now I'm a, I'm a grown man with three children. Okay. So I'd probably, that's not to say I wouldn't spend a good chunk of change. I, I would I would still probably spend like $30, $40, $50 maybe. I'd, yeah, I'd be willing to spend in the 50, 50 range, 60 maybe. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was I was thirty nine ninety five, so we're all in the ballpark. <laughs> and I don't see any reason why they can't do this and just collect free money. So if they're listening, they should do this. I'm just throwing it out there. I think what you're saying is a legit thing, especially with this reunion, because, you know, one of those things about the reunion is, you know, there's a money aspect where it's like, okay, we could make some money again. And I'm fine with that. You know, you're yeah. fine with that. But, like, that's exactly right. Like, okay, guys, just throw out those three nights and fucking package it and let us buy it. <laughs> yeah. We, we, will, we, will, we will line your pockets with money if you make this product. <laughs> yeah, we're well, going to buy it. Okay. So a couple, of, a couple of things I would say about that is, like, so the Live in Chicago DVD, it's like, okay, yes, it may not have, like, everything from, like, both of those nights. But you got to figure they're trying to – they're trying to, and I feel like they did a good job of appealing to, like, people who may not know them, okay? People who, who may just be introduced to them from the DVD, all right? And, like, hardcore fans like us. So there's a couple of tunes on there. Like, you mentioned, like, Don't Laugh. You know, that's more of, like, a deep cut. Towards the end, She Fucks Me, which is from Sunday Night. I think I've only ever seen that live, like, once. Played, uh, yeah. but I don't know that they played. Did they play any 
country songs on Sunday because oh, oh Mr. Richard Smoker. Or um, maybe was Japanese Cowboy on either one of them nights? Uh, without he is. Sunday night, yeah. Waving my dick in the wind, Mr. Richard Smoker. Waving my dick in the wind from the mollusk. You're right. Sorry. Oh, wait. Uh, Am I being stupid? No, you're, no, not. you're right. You're right. You're, you're right. I'm wrong. Uh, but Mr. Richard Smoker, so you do have... Looks like there's two country songs played that weekend. And they didn't yeah, choose to either of them on. You know, like, it's yeah. interesting. I feel like it took them a while to get comfortable owning those without the country band backing them. You know, like... Right. They, they don't play tons of country album songs, like, all the time. Right. Yeah, those songs know. were kind of, like, retired. That's a reflection of yeah. that time. But it is, it is a shame. Otherwise, this DVD just has a wide variety. I was listening to this on YouTube with my wife and just, like, she kept commenting on, like, wow, one great song after another. Like, it's totally almost like a, a greatest hit. I feel like it's almost like a greatest hit slash favorites of the band. You know, I almost feel like some of these songs got on there because it's like, oh, Dean wanted it on there. I don't know if that's true or not. You know, I don't know how much control they have. But, like, well, it, on, the, on, like, what actually gets in. But it's... Well, no, what I was going to say is I think you're right. And then if you look at other concert DVDs that were coming out around the time, it was the same kind of thing, where it was just a variety of the band. And so right. I think that's just kind of what you had to do to release something. Yeah, no, and it's... At that and, time. And, and I definitely want to say... Um, lest anyone thinks I'm out there criticizing this, because I don't want to, I don't want that to be the case. Because when I listen to this, and I listened to it a couple times, you know, over the last couple of weeks, every song is done really well. Um, oh, yeah. you can't really find, yeah. with the exception of Gina forgetting the lyrics and don't laugh, uh, you can't really find any issues with the, the DVD. I mean, they're just amazing cuts. And a lot of the time, especially Diener, is just on fire, like song after song, just like fingers are going faster than ever before, like you see Ray Vaughn, like born again, you know, rising from the ashes of the, the helicopter crash or whatever it was. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just, I mean, it's, just song after song was just really well done. Um, no, you're, can I cut you off for a second here? Go for it. Go for uh, it. Um, no, just saying being there that night that I was there, um, Dieter was on fire. Like it, his guitar was just so powerful. Like he definitely was the MVP of that show. Yeah, you know, and that's awesome to hear. Because um, it's just on the DVD, it, it's just representing every single song. He just lays it out on Absolutely. Voodoo Lady. On Voodoo Lady, I guess the DVD is from Sunday, I think. But um, but he has a crazy long solo in the middle of it. It just goes on and on, like right kind of that before that part where it kind of has that kiss-esque sort of part, you know, where they start, it starts getting repetitive before they break into the end. But he is just, I mean, it's like the longest, I don't think I've ever heard a version of Ooh Lady with such a long solo. I mean, it was, in, it was insane. Same with Zoloft too. Again, I'm yeah, Zoloft is a, is a long I think it from, the, I think that yeah. was from Saturday. Mike, I think that was from the night that you were there. So um, do you remember Helicopter Effect? I 
yeah, yeah, no, I totally do. I totally do. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. For our conversation the other day, I did not remember it, but I watched the DVD over the weekend, and seeing that, I was like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's awesome. And it, you know, it took me to a little bit of apocalypse now, a little bit permanent. <laughs> My my other my other criticism of of both things, Mike, you had mentioned about how all of my love is on the DVD but not on the CD. So yeah. you know, for years and years and years, you know, it's like okay, I put the CD on my iPod or I I put the CD in my CD book and I'm you know listen to that in the car or you know I'm pretty sure I even made like a copy of the CD, put the original in the case to keep it nice and make sure it's, it's protected. And then I would just listen to that CDR of, of Live in Chicago. So the, the one thing that always kind of confused me is I, I never really, like, put together, like, are these the same songs from, like, the DVD? Okay. But, yes, they are. Okay. That's, that's one of the things I realized going back and, like, looking at this again. Yes, they are the same, like, cuts that are from the, the DVD. There's just less of them. Okay, on yeah. the CD. The other thing that kind of that kind of bothers me is they're not in the same order. You know, it's like yeah. you would kind of assume, okay, there might be things that are missing from the CD because you can't fit as much on a CD as you can on a DVD, but yeah. it would be in the same order as on the DVD. So well, why they were, they're in a different order, that always sort of like threw me off. Well, and that's one of the weird, crazy things about the DVD is that the songs are in a different order than the way they're played during a Saturday and Sunday night. Well, I mean, that you could kind of forgive because it, they're, they're piecing, you know, they're piecing the DVD together from both nights, no, but, so it's like it's not really... Out. The Grobe, Take Me Away, and Transdermal Celebration are all played Saturday night in a in row. In a row. Ninth song, tenth song, eleventh song. The Grobe, mm -hmm. Take Me Away, and Transdermal Celebration. But then, for some reason, on the DVD, they start with Take Me Away and then go to the Grove, and then do Transdermal Celebration. And it's like, I wonder why they they didn't just let that be, like, you know, like a, a moment of the show. It like, it, they keep breaking the barrier where it's like, this isn't a live show I'm listening to. It's like, this is like a created product, you know, like we're piecing it right. together. Like a right. Frankenstein's monster, you know? Well, maybe they took a page out of Nirvana's book, which was the Unplugged CD, was in a different order from the MTV telecast, ah, yes. which was in a different order from the actual recording. Okay. With songs omitted. <laughs> I, I know. I know that's a stretch. <laughs> I just wanted to bring that calls into question the whole um, the suicide and whether or not it was. Um, <laughs> that's a different, a different part. <laughs> Dude, you should have that podcast. That's a different. I'm not, I don't want. To, I don't want to go into those waters. I don't want to uh, offend yeah. anyone. Yeah, that, well, okay. I'll, I'll go down now. Let's, let's get back to it. All right, let's go. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting how you know songs. You know, and so for example, Buckingham Green. Wait, I'm sorry. So I think. Mutilated Lips and Chocolate Town are near the beginning of your night, but then they're played, they're put toward the beginning of the DVD. You know, it's like I just had to keep reminding myself, like, this isn't, like, this is a constructed flow of, like, how this is going. You know, like, the Blarney Stone is not part of the encore, your night, but they put it in as the encore. 
same with uh, "Booze Me Up and Get Me High." Neither of those songs are in the encore. Yeah, but they're in that. They're on the encore in the DVD somehow. And then "Touch yeah. isn't part of the encore on the DVD, but it is in real life. So I don't know. I I, I want to throw that out to you, and I I would think, guess. Yeah, think about that. I just something I just noticed. I mean, first, yeah. like what I would guess is maybe they based that on energy from the crowd, and they wanted like. Like, by putting songs that weren't in the encore in the encore, there was more energy from the crowd, and it seemed like a more, like, fitting end. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can agree with that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's my only theory. Well, Tudor's also a pretty brown track as well. Definitely. Yeah. Unless you guys have anything else you want to say about the individual tracks, I'll sort of do my, like, summation of, like, the Live in Chicago Package. The mate away, dude. The mate away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Rage. So, so like, I've always had sort of like those like criticisms of Live Chicago. You know, like like we mentioned, like, oh, it's not it's not a whole show. It's like a it's a compilation of those like two nights. The CD is different from the from the DVD. Um, <clears throat> you know, I always sort of like felt that way. I never. You know, like I said, I never really went back and did the research into it to, to, to figure out, you know, what we've done in the last few days with, with preparing for the podcast and, like, which which songs are from which night and, and, you know, whatnot. We really didn't even mention that they also played Friday night. So it was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday night was not recorded for the DVD, at least not to our knowledge. Everything was supposedly from Saturday and Sunday. So Friday yeah, night was probably just getting, like, like in the yeah. show where they say like, oh, this is we've been playing for three nights. Right, right, right. So we'll just throw that in there as a, as a just so people know. Um, and that's that's the only times that they that they played this theater in Chicago was just those three nights. They weren't they never came back to that theater after yeah, dude, that's it. these shows. But anyway, so there, you you could criticize Live in Chicago as like a hardcore weed fan, and like I did, and I still kind of do, but. I'm still very grateful that, like, it exists at all. It's just awesome that because it was intentionally made, the production value was really good. And like, oh, at, right. And and you can tell that they're really pouring a lot into their performance, and they took the time to, like, make sure everything was, like, perfectly leveled and, like, everything was great. Right. So, like, it's really a great recording it's it's a great way to introduce people to live lean because the quality is so good absolutely one of the reasons so mike you had mentioned live at Stubbs, um which was you know that's a that's a complete show that you know when you bought it originally it was three cds so that's basically like that's one long show is going to be put onto three cds at that at that time but it it wasn't really like readily available. It was it was like a Choco Dog release. So however many yeah. however many yeah, shout out Choco Dog. Yeah. <laughs> so it was something that was like released by then. So however many of that actually like exists, you know, I don't know, but I'm sure it's far far less than you know something like Live in Chicago. So it's like Live in Chicago is the next thing that you would have been able to just, like, order from, like, your record shop or, um, mm-hmm. you know, at this time, you know, this is 2003, you know, you order it on Amazon or, you know, like, the, the couple of, like, things that you can order things, like, order music and DVDs on back then. So it's, like, this was really the first thing that you could you could get that's, like, a, 
a professionally made live recording from Ween since Paint the Town Brass. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, the, you know, the hardcore fans got in on Live at Stubbs and Live in Toronto. You know, there again, like, yeah. those, those two things are, you know, that's sort of like for, like, fans only because those were, like, Choco Dog releases and they weren't, you know, they weren't really, like, readily available like this would be. Yeah. So it's like you you get hit with something like live in Chicago at the time. I mean, this is made for real. You know, this is professionally made live weed, and as which is a rarity. I mean, like even as good as some of like the bootlegs that I had at the time sounded, this fucking blows it out of the water. Oh no, this is great. I'm not criticizing this. I am totally happy for it. I am grateful to have been there. I'm just saying we're coming up on the 20th anniversary in a couple of years. Um, maybe uh, a vinyl box set all three nights. DVDs, DVDs, if anyone's listening. Well, we know. I'm talking about right now. Like, yeah. I, I'm happy to have the DVD, CD. I'm happy to have gone to the shows. But, you know, we're nostalgic now. So release the tape. Well, and, and there's so many deep cuts that didn't make the actual DVD that make yeah, that I, weekend. Like, if you consider Friday, Saturday, Sunday as a yeah, run, think, there's yeah, so many think, different songs played over those three nights. Like, there's just, like, that would just be amazing. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, just thinking it, I'm just thinking it would be great. Like, release all of it now. It's like, actually a really great should, idea. Yeah, I hope someone's listening. Maybe add them on Twitter. Yeah, I know you follow high quality material. Yeah, no, I just think that would be great. Do something with it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually a really great idea. Unfortunately, no, no one is listening, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not sure how many people get this far into the podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to say about live in Chicago? We have a couple of other things we want to hit uh, Mike well, up with you know, in, in general. I just wanted to say, you know, as far as my estimation, that I kind of looked down upon it a little bit back in the day, I guess, as, as more of a pretentious uh, fan. And I realize now that, like, I agree with everything you said. You know, it's just a really well-produced live, you know, performance. So the quality of the songs is just really good. You know, and then going back and listening to them, it's like you can't, there's no problem with any of it. And, you know, it really does have enough brown stuff and a few rarities, to keep, just enough to keep you satisfied, but mostly just hits up all the high high points, you know. And so I also think of it as, you know, one of the, one of the ways to judge an album is it's something that I could use to introduce someone to live Ween. If I was to be like, oh, you want to listen to Ween, Here's a disc that's going to have a variety of music, and it's going to be well made, so you can hear it live, and it's awesome. Right. So, so I think there's, there's, you know, I think that it's just a fantastic DVD. I would say that there's not a lot of real, true like jams that are actually on the DVD. I think there's a few more that made the weekend, like when as far as Amigo, that didn't actually like make DVD. So the DVD is kind of missing many, like, long, like, extended, you know, jams. But nonetheless, an awesome uh, an awesome DVD. Well, Absolutely. So what you're saying, I think they were kind of pigeonholed by the technology at the time where they wanted to do a CD, DVD in one case, the way it was presented. The DVD could only be 90 minutes. Right. So 
they had to cut the jam short, which right. Is, yeah, it's, I don't think it's any. I don't think it's their fault or anyone's. Oh, fault. you mean to keep it under two hours long or something? Yeah, because remember, it came in that one case with yeah. DVD on one side, um, CD on the yeah. other. Okay. I think they were kind of pigeonholed by that process. And well, I mean, it's two, it's it's production questions come into play, you know? Yeah, and uh, you know, influence the creative genius. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? At some point, we should do a logistics of weed CDs release podcast. I think people would be interested in that. I'm in on that. We'll, we'll come back around and, and come with you. Anyway, um, on that note, well, we have a couple of other uh, questions for you, Mike. We'll 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 leave the uh, live in Chicago. Okay. Where it is, and we have a couple of yeah, other questions for you. One, one more time, or thank you once again for uh, you know sharing that with us. Because uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it was awesome that you got to go to that show. What a well, big theater, thank, man! You know, thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you for having this podcast, and I have a place to share it. Um, we is the tide that binds. By all means, by all means. All right. So I so I have two other quick questions for you here. Um, speaking of tide that that binds, so. Would you consider Ween to be your favorite band of all time? Um. <laughs> uh oh. I don't have a favorite band of all time. Oh. They're in my Mount Rushmore. Okay. 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 Yeah. I like that. Yeah, okay. I have a Mount Rushmore, and then I have some others receiving votes. And Ween is definitely on that Mount Rushmore. All right. Thanks. Let's see what we have. Yeah, I like that answer. I like that answer. Which so I have Ween on Mount Rushmore. What's up? Which president is Ween? All right, I'm going to give you my Mount Rushmore in no particular order. <laughs> and I I can't Go wait ahead. for this to end up on some Ween blogs. But <laughs> um, no, all right. So my Mount Rushmore top four bands: Ween, Grateful Dead, Blind Melon, and Alice in Chains. Okay. Right. Here comes the rooster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I have one last question. I'm not sure, Rory. You have something else, but I'll just uh, hit hit Mike up with this. So, do you consider yourself to be Team Gene or Team Dean? I'm gonna need some clarification on this question. <laughs> In what aspect? We got nothing. We got nothing. to this question. If someone says, look, man, your life depends on it. you got to make a decision. Team Dean or Team Gene, you just have you no know, waffling. you just got to go with one or the other. Oh, Team Dean. Okay. <laughs> no hesitation in, in that scenario. I, I thought you. I thought you meant. I thought we were going to go deep with like, the aspect of the breakup for a while. Well, you can. I mean, you can lay it out any way you want. I just mean like. You well, know, we can I don't want you to equivocate. Uh, we could talk about that another time. Uh, uh, I'll keep it simple here. Team Dean, I love the epic guitar solos. Yeah. That's my favorite part of a Ween show. Right on. That's a great answer. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I love, I love the, the, the awesome guitar solos, and I love his cool interviews in for random new, you know, magazines or like websites and shit. Yeah. I always love the content he's provided over the years, and I always love the fact that he made me feel okay that I could wear just a plain colored t-shirt and jeans every day of my life. Yeah. Right. It doesn't have to have something. Yeah. It doesn't have to have something on it. It could just be a plain color. 
Yeah, and it's yeah. fine. <laughs> no, nobody gets you know nobody gets sued over any kind of legal issues or anything like that. And you're you know you yeah, will survive. Like, yeah, it's like oh, you're wearing gray today. Cool. Okay. <laughs> ding ding. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. All right. I love it. All right. Well, unless you have anything else, Rory. No, man. That's all, that's that's all I got. All right. Well, we want to say thank you to Mike again for being our first guest. And thank you for having me. It's truly an honor. Yeah, for for giving us an insight on the the live at Chicago show, which we're still extremely jealous that you were at. But I'm so glad that one of us was at one of those shows. I'm happy to take one for the team on this one. It was, <laughs> you know, it was a, it was a huge sacrifice on my part. I'm glad I could do it for the for the team for the for the so that, um, brethren. You know, so at eight. It's 17 years later or whatever, 16 years later, we can uh, reminisce about it. So if anyone has any if anyone has any questions specifically for Mike, just let me know, and I'll put you in touch with him. How about that, Mike? Is that cool? Uh, that works for yeah, me. Yeah, if anyone else is at that show, if anyone else is at the Saturday show for the DVD, or any, any one of those shows for the DVDs, we'd love to hear your, get your input. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you again, Mike, and we'll uh, we'll catch everybody again next time. On the flip side. All right. So that was our phone call with Mike. We want to say thank you to Mike again for being our first guest and our first actual interview. And it was great. Yeah, man. It's been real. Hoorah. Yeah, it was great discussing the Live in Chicago weekend and DVD and CD with him. Is there anybody out there who is also at these shows, either Saturday or Sunday night, that uh, that would like to say something. If if so, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts. It's um, or from the Friday, if something happened on Friday that's relevant. Yeah, you know, they that's were setting up the true. cameras, or or you know, you met the cameraman or yeah, something. You know? that's that's very true. I mean, you know, if uh, if someone has a story that they'd like to tell about Friday night, we, we'd love to hear it. It's at Weencast Podcast on Twitter. Weencast Podcast at uh, Gmail. Send us an email. Hit us up on Twitter. So unless you have yeah, anything dude. Else, if anyone, you know, if you were at one of those live at Chicago shows, give us your input. Yeah, um, I'd love to hear something. And uh, otherwise, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, that's all I got. Yeah, thank you so much, everybody. Peace. We Good. out later.